0: Luke chapter 2, verse 8. I'm reading from the New King James. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be the sign to you you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. How often do we think about the importance of communication. And how does God go about communicating to us, parents? Do you remember the first communication of your child when they were babies? We all remember the first ones. It was, you know, often crying, or or just that that burst of life that came forth. But do you remember the times when they, when we just did our pleading and our teaching? That they said whatever that first word was, and then whatever that next word was, that we made it out to be whatever we wanted it to be. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? He said, Daddy, I love you so much. You're awesome. (laughs) How often do we give thought to the importance of communication? And have we ever thought about being cut off from having communication with God? In 1844, the Morse code was invented. And this was one of the first forms of broad, long distance communication. I don't think anyone in this room would remember that time. But you know what I'm talking about when I'm about Morse code. Yeah, I'm talking to you, John. Morse code. Deep, de deep, 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 just think of this as old-timey texting. It's exactly like texting. Exactly like it. Minus the phone and the words and the pictures and the emojis. Other than that, it's exactly like texting. dee just sent you a text saying, I love you. On Christmas Eve of 1906 something amazing happened. Radio silence ended. Radio silence ended. Now we're all familiar with radio silence. We're we're familiar with the, the current translation. We're familiar with where the origin of it came. But if not, let me explain. So radio silence is when someone that you're used to having strong communication with just cuts it off, cold turkey. And you go from strong communication to no communication. And we're like, what's up with him? Just went radio silent on me. That term came from a telecommunications term with military implications, where for safety or security reasons, they would shut down the radio and all communication. And so that was true radio silence. That's where the term came from. Have we ever thought about the silence that existed prior to this type of technology? The silence that took place prior to radio waves being admitted or or, um, realized and utilized before TV, before the internet, before computers? Do we ever think about the silence that was the norm during that time. For their entire careers, the men who worked as the wireless operators on ships, either cargo or transport, or most often the Navy, had only heard one sound coming through their earphones, their headphones, and that was Morse code. It was those those beeps. The sailors aboard a particular ship owned by the United Fruit Company had been alerted a few days earlier for a special message that would be transmitted to them on December 4th, 1906. Suddenly, at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on Christmas Eve of 06, 1906, they heard something that must have made some of them think they were dreaming. They heard beautiful music. They heard a human voice. All coming from those very same headphones where previously had only been communicated the sterile beeping sounds. But now they heard music. They heard singing. There was a violin solo with the man singing and then that man made a speech. The men listening called for their captain to come to hear what was taking place, to hear this same miracle. The genius responsible for this night was a man named Reginald Fessenden, a Christian, the son of a pastor. And on December 24th, 1906, Reginald Fessenden, a Canadian inventor and radio pioneer, broke the silence of communication in a powerful way he and his colleagues presented the world's first wireless broadcast. The broadcast started with a phonograph playing, and what it played was Handel's Largo, the operatic song Ombra Mal Fu," followed by Fessenden playing O Holy Night on the violin, and then accompanying himself as he sang the last verse to that song. To the same timing of a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices. He sang sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. And then to the timing of fall on your knees. Christ Is the Lord, then ever, ever praise we. His power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. He wasn't supposed to sing it alone, it wasn't supposed to be a solo, but in addition to this night of the first broadcast, was also the first instance of radio stage fright. His wife chickened out. And there was another guy there, and he chickened out. So it was supposed to be three of them singing this together, but instead, good old Reginald had to sing it himself. When he was done singing and playing, he then read the biblical accounts of the birth of Christ from Luke chapter 2, like we just read. The first ever... Spoken words transmitted over radio waves were these from Luke chapter 2 verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. As if by some miracle these words were in the ears of these sailors who were on board. In fact, not just these sailors. Anybody who had the equipment to have been utilizing Morse code technology and happened to have their earphones on at that moment experienced this miracle without any sort of warning, without any sort of heads up. Can you imagine not knowing this was coming? All you hear are those faint beeps. And then you hear song. You hear handle. You hear the, the The chorus of this beautiful song, and then you hear the proclamation of Jesus Christ. you also would think it's a miracle. After this, Fessenden wished all a merry Christmas and with this, the first radio broadcast came to an end. The broadcast took place from Brant Rock, Massachusetts, and reports were received from ships all along the Atlantic Northeast coast, and from shore stations as far as Norfolk, Virginia, that they heard this. On New Year's Eve, they did a repeat broadcast, and this was heard as far south as the West Indies. The good news of Jesus Christ has an uncanny way of miraculously spreading all over the earth. Much like we come tonight for this candlelight service and we will see through candles the demonstration of that spreading. When we are willing to be used, when we are willing to have the mind of Christ and the heart of the Father and to step out through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the world hears about the good news of Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. from creation until Christmas Eve 1906, this type of public communication had never been made. But on that night, these words were used to break the silence of the airwaves that were previously delivered. The words that were said were not unique. The exact words that were declared over these airwaves were delivered to an audience on the night of the first Christmas by God through His messengers, the angels. A message that said, do not be afraid. Here's good news of great joy which is available to all people. Jesus is born. Glory to God in the highest. Peace and goodwill to you, to all men. In every Bible, there's a blank page about two-thirds of the way through. If you kind of have it in front of you, and with your left thumb, you just kind of reach over two-thirds of the way and open it up and flip through, and you look between Malachi and Matthew, there's a blank page. On that blank page, you can write the words 400 years. 400 years. Because after Malachi's prophecies, which included prophecies of the second coming of Jesus. It was 400 years of a type of radio silence. It was 400 years before any written communication from God is recorded. Now Malachi just happens to chronologically be at the end of a period where there was a lot of activity in the Old Testament. We see Esther, used in triumphant ways of restoration to God's people. Ezra, in Ezra chapter 6 and 7, we see Ezra returning to Jerusalem. Why? Because of restoration had been complete. We see the wall in Jerusalem being completely rebuilt. And that's in Nehemiah 2. And then we see Malachi prophesying of Jesus and his return and with this concludes the restoration of God's people from captive from captivity and from bondage and the year was 400 BC no recorded words for 400 years it's as if god stepped back and said I need man to see that their standards is not the right answer. I need man to see that all the laws that they've been following that, that were instituted by me, they can't accomplish them. They can't fulfill them. They can't do it on, the, on their own. They can't fulfill the laws. They can't set their own standards and find any point of fulfillment. A new standard needs to be raised. So God the Father stepped back to allow mankind to see their need, to allow us to see our need for a Savior. Can you imagine how hungry you would be for communication from God if it had been 400 years since he's, He'd spoken to His church? Now, I believe that there were words spoken to individuals, but nothing prophetic, nothing speaking of the future. We see that he obviously spoke to Mary. We see that he spoke to Elizabeth prior to the night of, of Jesus' birth. But radio silence for 400 years. How hungry would you be to hear from God? And what would, how hungry would God be to speak to his people? And what would be the first words? spoken to his people at the end of that silence at the end of that period what will be the, the, the first words off the father's lips on the night of the first Christmas when God broke his silence what did he say do not be afraid Here's good news of great joy available to all. Glory to God in the highest peace, goodwill towards men was the proclamation of the heavenly host. God didn't send a message of gloom and doom. God didn't send a message of anger and disapproval. God didn't send a message of going, Oh my gosh! You guys have made a mess of things for the last 400 years. His message was of hope and of love and of joy. And who was this good news to? Well, who was this audience? Who was this first audience? Shepherds. Did you know that shepherds were not even allowed to worship at the temple? They were unclean, they were dirty. They could worship God, but not at the temple. They were unworthy because of their trade, because of what they did, because they were dirty. They were unworthy according to religious standards, and they could not worship at the temple. Have any of us ever felt unworthy to be in the presence of God? Have any of you ever been told you're not good enough? Maybe there's people in here who have felt like those shepherds must have felt that they didn't belong in the good graces of God. They had their place, and that place was out working among the sheep, but it wasn't in the presence of God. So what did God do? He delivered the first spoken words to an audience in 400 years and he chose these same shepherds to deliver this message to. How is that good news for us? Our God is not a God who is a respecter of persons. And we belong and we fit and because of the completed work of Jesus Christ we are worthy come into the presence of God worthy to come directly to the Father. The the message of Christmas uh, such a beautiful yet simple story. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Goodwill towards men. Peace towards men. I think of other people in the Christmas story. I think of a woman that the Bible says was old and she couldn't have children. Her name was Elizabeth. And in those days, if you couldn't have a child, the reason you couldn't have a child was because you were cursed by God. Because you were untrustworthy by God. God couldn't trust you with a child. So He didn't give you a child. Certainly, Elizabeth prayed and prayed and prayed, Lord, give me a child. And so, of course, when she's advanced into her old age, what does that say about God and her prayers? He's not listening. He doesn't hear your prayers. He doesn't hear your cries. You're cursed. You've been rejected by God. Maybe some of us have felt that way before. I bet you every one of us in this room have felt this way at times. God's not hearing my prayers. With all these things I'm going through, my life must be cursed. Certainly not blessed. What did we see as part of this Christmas story? Elizabeth, in her old age, becomes pregnant and she gives birth to a boy. A boy who will grow and become a man that Jesus himself says, this is the greatest man to walk the earth. Jesus saying, this man is a great man. His name was John the Baptist and that is who Elizabeth gave birth to. God not only trusted her with a child, he trusted her with the life and the raising of a man who would clear the way. Being Elijah type, fulfilling prophecy and making way for Jesus Christ. Once again, our God is not a respecter of persons. So keep praying. Keep praying. You are blessed. Keep praying. You are not cursed. You have not been rejected. But you got to trust the Lord in His timing, which I know a lot of times we just don't like. But He's faithful. there was a teenage girl who was engaged to a good man. And this couple had showed honor and integrity and purity in their engagement. And lo and behold, she comes up pregnant. Miraculously. Not from a lack of purity. She became pregnant by the hand of God. Miraculous. And an angel appears to this teenage girl named Mary. Mary says you're going to give birth to the Son of God. But, people talk. People gossip. And as she grew in her pregnancy, in her engagement, still not yet married, but knowing that she is a virgin, that she has maintained her purity, she starts feeling shame of no fault to her own. But there's only so much you can take. So in that midst of the shame, she leaves and she moves. She moves in with her cousin to be away from the murmurs, to be away from the gossip, to be away from the shame. Until the time of her marriage. Maybe there's men and women, boys and girls here tonight, that feel... shame it may not even be if any of you're doing perhaps it was something done to you or maybe the shame is because of something we did but there might be people here tonight carrying shame and the good news that was proclaimed of great joy Was given for you and I, was given for every one of us that has carried the burden of shame. The power of the Christmas message of truth can set you free tonight if you'll grab a hold of it. Jesus was born to take away shame. Jesus was born. And He defeated shame. And He defeated rejection. And He defeated the lies of the enemy of being cursed and being rejected. And He made the way so that not only could we be heard by the Father, but could come straight to the Father. Talk about name dropping. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have immediate access to the Father. Oh, I'm here in the name of Jesus, instantly in His presence. No religion, no barriers, no priest, no additional sacrifice needed. Because that's what Jesus did. The message of God delivered by the angels was this. Do not be afraid. Do not have fear. Do not allow fear. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. That is so much better than great tidings of good joy, isn't it? Good tidings of great joy. But he didn't stop there. He made it abundantly clear who this gift was for. For who? For all. For all. Nothing Nothing exclusive in this offering. Nothing limited to a select few, made available to all. Um, I'd like to call up my family at this time. And in a moment, I'm going to ask everyone to stand as we prepare to light the candles. As I said before, lighting the candles is representative of the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ it's representative of the spreading of the good news of his great joy it's representative of making available the gift of salvation for all and it's a beautiful reminder of the action that's needed the action that's needed see when I light this if I keep this to myself the darkness is still great. In a moment, we're going to turn off all the lights and we're going to see the darkness is great. But when I take this, this light, and I light another, and they light another, and they light another, and that person turns to the person next to them or behind them, and they light another, then illumination fills this room. The light fills this room. Action is needed. Actions needed, friends. If we want all to hear this word, then we have to take a hold of our call to be a part of that commission to reach all. Amen? Isaiah 60, verses 1-5 through reads, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you. And His glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. This is probably a good time to lift up our eyes and look around. And see, they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. And your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant your hearts shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. Jesus is the light of the world and we radiate His light, His love, His great joy.